Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So they say the best things come in threes. Okay. And this is episode three. So this is the best one. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode three of the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, as always, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. If you would like to know a bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and Josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We've split this episode into two sections. We'll start off by trying to shed some light on a confusing financial term in our alien concept section and finish off by looking at an issue that we come across when running our businesses in a penny for your thoughts. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Great. Uh, We have had some feedback from people who have been kind. So thank you for all the positive feedback. Thank you. Um, Ozil1134, who I'm guessing must be an Arsenal fan. So obviously has good taste yeah. uh, in podcasts and football teams. He listens via iTunes. Or she. He or she. You're correct. And he or she said, I found this podcast to be very informative and quite interesting. Only quite interesting. Yeah, quite. Mm, need to work on the interesting aspect. Left me wanting to ask my own questions about equity release. So this was the first episode. Go back and download that if you'd like to find out about equity release. And if you do have any questions, Ozil1134, please do get in touch with us via our companies or our Twitter page, which is in for a penny pod and the number one. He went on to say, I would think not many people have heard about equity release, how it works and how valuable it may be. As well, I found the banter between the guys pretty into teeth talking about us. It must be a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend this to anyone wanting to learn about financial terms and products available on the market. Explained in easy to understand, no jargon conversation. Well, thank you, Ozil. Thank you. Please do feel free to leave your own review, and you can do that on iTunes, on our SoundCloud page, or via Twitter. And we'll do our best to read it out on the show. Fantastic. And that sound means it's time for this episode's Alien Concept, where we discuss a piece of business or financial jargon and why it makes no sense and how it can be simplified. One of our listeners, Joshua May from Hertfordshire, got in touch and suggested that rather than you just writing something on a bit of paper and handing it to me, we should put hundreds of terms or financial jargon into a big tombola and pick one out of the hat randomly or out of the tombola randomly. So we like the idea, Joshua, thank you. Um, Will you do the honours, Mark? Yes, this tombola is taking up a lot of space in my um, spare room, (laughs) stroke office, stroke study. Uh, But here we go. Ready? Ready. Okay, and this episode's alien concept is... Pension commencement lump sum. I like it. Good one. So let me start with what I think about this term. Okay. I have written about this in my time as a financial journalist. Um, My understanding is it is a sum of money you get when you come to take your pension. Yeah. Here's my issue. Just the one? Just one issue. Yeah. When I think of pension, you think of a product that you're saving into to build up for your retirement. When you are then coming to take the money in that pot, to me it sounds strange that you're calling it a pension commencement lump sum 
because it's the end of the pension because technically you're taking the money out. Okay. Would you like me to maybe shed some light on what it is? Yes, please. Okay. So they don't like to make terms easy. Pension commencement lump sum, PCLS, also known in simple terms as tax-free cash. That sounds nice. That's a bit easier, isn't it? Yeah. So during your lifetime, you will build up a pension pot. Mm-hmm. And when you get to retirement age, you can take this pension commencement lump sum or your tax-free cash. And all it means really is that you can take usually 25% of the value of your pension, that's a quarter of your pension, as tax-free amounts. Okay. So just to put some pounds and pence to that, if you've built up £400,000 in your pension, you could take £100,000 out of it tax-free. Or if you've built up a million pounds in your pension, you could take out £250,000 tax-free. Uh-huh. That sounds handy. Useful, yeah. Yeah, but why call it a pension commencement lump sum? Why not just say a withdrawal? I mean, you're right. As we as we discussed, they like to make the terms complicated. But at that point, you're commencing, starting to access your pension, which is, I think, why they put the term commencement in there, just mm-hmm. to confuse us all. How do your clients react? Because obviously they've come to the end of their pension savings and they want to know how to access their cash and they see their provider may have sent them this letter that says, here's your PCLS statement. I mean, how's that displayed for them? What does it look like? Well, luckily, with most of our clients, they now know to ignore any paperwork they get from pension providers because they'll know that we'll discuss it with them in detail. So mm-hmm. they can ignore all the confusing terms, all the jargon, all the alien concepts, and we'll try and simplify it for them. But often you will get a statement saying you have £400,000 in your pension and it will give you options as to how you can access it. And one of them should say you can take £100,000 tax-free. Can you choose for that money to go straight into your account or could it go, if you want to go and buy a property, can it go straight towards that? You can do pretty much whatever you want with that money. Remember, this is your money that you've put up over your lifetime. You've worked hard and you can take 25% of that tax-free. Yeah. So you could ask the pension provider to pay it into your bank account. You could leave it in the pension until you're ready to access it. But it needs to go to you to do what you want with, whether that is buy a house, buy a Lamborghini, buy a guitar, whatever it is that you want to do, you can do with it. Imagine looking at all the items around, around me, my yeah, Lamborghini. Your Lamborghini and your guitar yeah. in your office here. Yeah, next to this big tombola. Some people have something called protected tax cash. Have you ever heard about Tell that? Tell me about that. Protected tax-free cash is when you are entitled to more than 25% tax-free. Interesting. And that's a really valuable benefit to have in your pension. So some older pensions often have this in. Right. So you need to be very careful if you're ever making changes to your pension during your lifetime Mm. to check whether you've got protected tax-free cash because if you transfer your pension, you will lose that that tax-free cash. Interesting, because you do hear a lot about people moving jobs or having meetings where they're encouraged to transfer out of certain pensions. I guess people move move jobs quite regularly now. They're not always in a job for life, so they may be tempted to merge all, merge all their different pension pots. That's right. And I think the, the key really is just to make sure you get some professional advice before you do that. Speak to your financial advisor so they can look into it and, and confirm for you. So I had a client recently who had a pension that was set up about 30 or 40 years ago. They're now in their 60s. And we discovered as part of the what we call the data gathering process 
that they were entitled to 40% tax refund the pension. Wow. But if they didn't know that, they would have missed out on about, I think it turned out, um, about thirty or £40,000 tax free. Cool. That's not bad. Yeah, it's good. Do that. Yeah. What if I don't want to take my PCLS? Well, you would only access your pension when you have when you have a need for it, when you've agreed your retirement strategy with your advisor. So um, the advantages of not taking it now mm-hmm. are that hopefully your pension will continue to grow and you'll be able to take more money out in the future. So just to add, again, some numbers to that, if you've got £400,000 in your pension pot today, 25% would allow you to take £100,000 out. If you didn't need that money and you left it for, let's say, 10 years, and at that point it was worth £500,000, mm. you could take out £125,000 tax-free. But I guess if it falls in value, you may also get less. Correct, yeah. If the value goes down, then you'll, you'll take less out. And what if I want to never take it? You don't have to take it. Um, a lot of our clients are never accessing their pensions because they are fantastic tools for inheritance tax planning. I think that's probably a deeper discussion for another day, but you can leave your pension in there until death. What's the earliest that I can get my PCLS? It's currently age 55, unless you are in ill health and have special dispensations that access your pension early. But by the time you and I get to retirement, it's going to be about 57, the age Absolutely. when we can access it. It is annoying, but that's the way uh, pensions are going and life is going, that we have to wait a little bit longer to access things because we're going to work a little bit longer. Oh, that sounds horrible. What about, because I guess 55 does seem quite young now, if I think that I'm 35 and in 20 years I could suddenly access my pension. And to me, that does seem like, well, in 20 years' time, I could have all this cash and get my hands on. How do you stop that mentality? Because you could get in at 55, but you could wait 20 years until you're 75. Yeah, I often have clients who come to see me who say, um, I've built this pension up, I've had a letter, I know I can um, access 25% tax-free, please can I do that? And we say, hold on a moment, is this the right thing for you to do? Just because you can access it doesn't mean you should. And probably more often than not, we end up leaving that tax cash till the future, till they need it at another point. I think the key is you need to have a financial plan because if you don't know where you're heading financially, you can't make an informed decision as to whether you should access the money now, in a year, in 20 years or never. One of the big things they launched a few years ago was these pension freedoms where people can access their pots um, without, so you no longer have to take an annuity, which we discussed in episode two. Yeah. And you also can do other stuff like income drawdown, which I think we've also discussed in previous episodes. Okay. Go and download them if you want to find out about them. <laughs> How does the tax-free stuff relate to that? And like, every time you access it, I'm guessing you can't take 25% tax-free. You can only do that once. So you can access your pension via phased drawdown. So that would be um, taking money as and when you need it. So shall I give you some numbers? Love numbers. So we've got a million pounds in our pension. Okay. And we decide we need... £100,000 tax-free. We would need to make sure we set aside enough money to access £100,000 tax-free. Now, because 100000 isn't 25% of a million, we still have some more tax-free cash we can access in the future. So we can do it in stages. We could phase it on a monthly basis, annually or ad hoc. So you don't have to take that 25% all at once. You stagger how you take it. Correct. That's good, but I guess the only risk there is if it, the pot falls in value. You you could get less. Correct. Yeah. So there's always a risk with any investment. 
you could get less. But I would imagine that you would discuss your needs with your financial advisor. You will have a plan and you will put the money in areas where it matches your attitude to risk. How popular is phase drawdown? It is very popular, actually. I think with our clients who we've got long-term financial plans for, if they don't need all the money now, then we're phasing it over different time periods so they can use it most efficiently. Well, so could you, if I was 55 and wanted to take a bit out now and then say in 20 years take more, could I do that? Yeah, of course you can. I'll see you in 20 years. I'll see you then. Okay. So let's think of some different things we can call it. Okay. Because I still think pension commencement lump sum is a bit wordy. Okay. If we try and start, say it really fast, it's probably not fun. But it's like red no, or yellow. No, we won't try that because it won't be fun. No, wait, no. <laughs> not for listening. But do feel, feel free to try it at home or not. So I was thinking we could call it your pension withdrawal. Yeah. Not sure about that one. No. What else you got? I've got your retirement bonus because it is your tax-free. It's technically, but you've got to the end of your pension savings. It's like your little reward because you're getting it tax-free. You don't, you don't have to pay anything on it. It's your savings. And it, it's it's a, it's like a gift, technically from the government, because the taxman's saying, I'm not going to charge you. Here it is. You've retired. Here's your retirement bonus. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, I just like tax-free cash. Yeah. I think to the average person, or the non-average person, tax-free is very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Cash is very easy to understand. So I think that's quite a simple one. Okay. And that was this episode's Alien Concepts. Do let us know if that's made the term clearer for you. You can contact us via iTunes, on SoundCloud, or on Twitter at InforAPennyPod, and the number one. And let us know any further queries, uh, if you think we need to make anything more clear, or if we have just explained it perfectly and you are sitting in a rainbow cloud of knowledge regarding the PCLS. And now it's time for a penny for your thoughts, where we discuss some of the social issues come up in the workplace. Before you talk about this episode's topic, yeah. I wanted to speak to you about um, a restaurant I went to recently. Okay. Because you know you asked last episode um, about complaining. In oh, yeah. yeah. So I went out for dinner last week nice. for my mother-in-law's birthday. Ah, oh, happy birthday. What's her name? Her name is Gloria. Happy birthday, Gloria. 21 uh, again? Yeah, hopefully yeah. she's listening. Avid listener. Yeah. I should probably first tell you, I wasn't too happy to go out for my mother-in-law's birthday. Okay. Not because I don't like her, which I don't. <laughs> I do, Gloria, for this thing. <laughs> but because it was on a Tuesday night. Oh. And that's when I was supposed to play football. Yeah. But I reluctantly did the right thing yeah. and sacrificed football for my mother-in-law. And I ordered a drink. Okay. Which I drank. And halfway yes. through it, I noticed a fly <gasps> swimming in my drink. Wow. I didn't do the old waiter-waiter, there's a fly in my, drink. my drink. Yeah. So I was thinking, what would Mark do in this situation? Yeah. The aggressive complainer. Exactly. Um, but I didn't do any marks off, and I just called the waitress over politely yeah. and said, there's a fly in my drink. Yeah. Um, and she said, I'm terribly sorry. I'll change that for you, sir. That's great. Yeah. So it's Sometimes you don't need to shout. I just asked nicely. Yeah. How did the fly survive? I didn't ask. <laughs> All right. What drink was it? It was a Jack Daniels and Coke. Ah. Because I had to have a drink to get through yeah. the evening with my mother-in-law. <laughs> Do you think the fly was drunk? I don't know, Mark. Did it arrive with a fly in it? I imagine it arrived with a fly, and I yeah. luckily didn't drink it. Yeah. But um, I interrupted. Do carry on okay. with this week's opinion for your thoughts. I wanted to ask you about business attire. Okay. Because I spend uh, a lot of time going to shared offices, such as WeWorks, where you have lots of companies who work in the same space, and they rent the premises and take rent tables and desks and 
different parts of the office. So you have lots of companies in the same place. Yeah. Te- uh, a lot of times it's just startups. Okay. Young, hip people. Like me? Mm, no. Okay. No, quite the opposite. Uh, in fact, very opposite because a lot of time they are just there in t-shirts and shorts, okay. even in the winter. When I used to work regularly in an office and... For me, the dress code was smart trousers, maybe smart jeans, and a shirt. I'd never dream of just going to work in a t-shirt. Okay. What is suitable work wear? I think you need to dress according to the environment. So I think every office, every industry, every person has a different type of dress code. What do you wear for your work? I like to wear a shirt and smart jeans, just because I think mentally, if you think... if. I think mentally, if you're dressed smart, think smart. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think it's like in schools where we had to, in my secondary school, we had to wear suits in yeah. a sick form. And I think you do feel a bit more organised mm-hmm. if you're in smart clothes as opposed to in your jeans and your T-shirt. But why do you think that makes a difference? Because it can't actually be that just because you're wearing a, a tie or just a shirt and trousers that you're automatically going to be thinking better. No, you need to you need to wear what you're comfortable with. When I go to work, I wear a I wear a suit every day, <laughs> and normally it's a tie. I sometimes dress down if I don't have any meetings. I won't wear a tie that day. Oh. You know, I'm a bit of a dead. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I first started as a financial advisor, which is eight years ago now, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to wear ties. I'm going to dress smart, casual. And then I recruited an apprentice called yeah. Derek. And Derek used to wear a suit and tie to work every day. And I thought, I can't have this 19-year-old looking smarter than me in the office. True. So ever since that day, I went back to wearing suit and tie. So is it a competitive thing? You just want to be the alpha male? Yeah, basically. No, I just thought, you know what? He looks smart. Yeah. I'm I'm our client's advisor. I can't look scruffy. Mm. And although it shouldn't really matter what you wear, I think impressions count. And if you see someone looking smart, I think you're more likely to think they are going to be smart at organising things for you, as opposed to someone who turns up all scruffy. If you went and saw your accountant and he's in shorts and flip-flops, mm. you might think... I wonder what my fees were going towards. Yeah, exactly. You might think differently. Whereas in the a creative industry, marketing or um, journalism, mm. I think you're more likely to see people dress a bit more creatively. What about if you've got people coming in for meetings and they're not, and they're dressed kind of casually, and then you're in your suit with a tie? I mean, do you think that creates an imbalance? No, not really. I'm quite. I think people dress according to their comfort and their needs. A lot of people turn up to my office in their casual clothes, which I'm quite happy with. I want them to feel comfortable around me. Not all industries will have a need for suits. Like a builder isn't going to go to work in a suit, correct? Because they'll be quite hot. It'll get quite dirty, and their dry cleaning bill would be extortionate yeah so when you're meeting your builder yeah do you dress according to what they're going to be wearing or do you just stay in your suit i stay in my suit my suit and tie all the time so clients will come in in their builder's clothes in their casual clothes in their smart clothes i I think it's more how you are perceived as the advisor or as the journalist rather than what people are coming to see you wear what if your view is that you don't need a suit and you see a lot of Media commentators now will go on TV just in a smart T-shirt and trousers. And to them, they think it's their opinion that it's, it's their selling point. It does. That's absolutely right. What you wear is sort of irrelevant. It's what you say and what you do that's key. But it can't help to look the part. And whether that is casual or smart, I don't think it makes a difference. You dress appropriately. Interestingly enough, 
what he brought this topic up. My um, dad was saying his friend was chatting to him recently and said, uh, what do you wear for work? Because I've just been to a, uh, a meeting and um, the guy said to me I was overdressed. What was he wearing? I don't know. I didn't see. I think he was in a, also in a suit. Mm. So everyone's got a different feeling and a different opinion about what's right and what's wrong. Do you think there needs to be a dress code made clear before you go to meetings? Because if I go to an, a work event in the night, like a dinner or an awards dinner, about saying there's a dress code, so I say business attire or black tie, so people will know to turn up appropriately. Do you think maybe we should do that for? day-to-day business meeting no not really i think if i started saying to my clients how to dress if i put at the bottom of every email dress to impress or um fancy dress or whatever it may <laughs> be. be quite good yeah but i think people will be a bit cut out why is this guy telling me what to what to wear can it go too far sometimes you have people in three-piece suits or they're carrying their handkerchiefs in their pocket no i sometimes pocket wear squares. a waistcoat i sometimes wear a waistcoat for a meeting yeah yeah i don't think you you can go too far Okay. I'm, when I was um, at my previous job as a chartered accountant, I remember someone saying to me, you should always try and dress one grade or one level above your actual position. So try and look smarter as if you are more senior. Yeah. Which was interesting because when in that job, we were, we were always told to dress according to the client. So we used to go on sites for a few weeks to be in a client's office. If they were all in suit and ties, we'd wear suit and ties. If they were smart casual, we'd wear smart casual. But this guy wanted, believed that perceptions were very important. And if you are trying to get a promotion or to be thought of well, um, you should look the part, mm-hmm. which I get. So what would that mean? Like, if you dress one over that, what should well, I be wearing? What should you be wearing? Yeah. Well, put something on, Mark. <laughs> it's a bit awkward sitting here with you like that. Um, well, I guess it's different for you because you are running your business. Mm. Um, but if I'm um, a lowly journalist and I go to meet an editor to pitch or whatever or to try and get work, I want to portray myself as capable. Do I need to? What, you tell me. I don't know. You, I don't meet with editors and journalists. What do they wear? Suits. Okay, so you might want to be in a suit. But do I, know, do I need my waistcoat to? to to cover that tummy. To cover the tummy. <laughs> Went to the gym today, I'll have you know. What about uh, some offices have dressed down Fridays? What yes. are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that um, is I think that creates a bit of a fashion show. And I've worked in some offices where the girls will come in looking like they're dressed for a pool party rather than work. That makes me sound about 80 years old. It does, yeah. But I don't think it creates a very conducive workplace where all you can see is Flesh. Okay, where are we going, Mark? Don't know. Stop there. <laughs> um, and for the men, I guess some of it's the same. Like sometimes I'll just be there like muscle vests. I've seen some people. Yeah, like we're in, in my office, people are smart. Um, as I said, I'm always in a suit and more often than not a tie. Everyone else will have similar. Some people might wear smart trousers, a shirt and a jumper. As long as people are comfortable and look smart enough, then I'm comfortable. We don't do dress down Friday in my office. No. We have Costa Friday. What does that mean? It means uh, we buy everyone a Costa coffee on the Friday. Other coffee shops are available. They are why, available. Why Costa coffee? As opposed to Starbucks, Cafe Nure. We used to go to Starbucks. Yeah. But when they had all this scandal about they're not paying their taxes, Tax. yeah. we decided, you know what, we'll, we'll 
goes Costa instead. Okay. In Wouldn't it be easier, do you think, if people just agree it doesn't matter what you wear, it's who's inside that counts? I think we do agree that it doesn't matter what you wear. It is what's inside that counts, but you've also got to look and feel comfortable. Next time, will you dress appropriately for this podcast? What do you consider appropriately for the podcast? I don't know, just a bit smarter. I am in my suit and yeah, my shirt. Yeah, but your shirt is hanging out. It's a bit untucked. I can see your vest. <laughs> it's cold day, <down>, Mark. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time could you put a vest on? I could just see your hairy chest. <laughs> I'm very rude. <laughs> that was this episode's Penny for Your Thoughts. It'd be interesting for our listeners to maybe message in and get in touch to let us know their thoughts on this, oh. what they wear and what they expect when they go to meetings. Yeah. Shall I remind them how to do that? Go for it. You can do that via iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and also on our Twitter page, at in for a penny pod and the number one. Why do you always say the number one? If you said in for a penny pod one, yeah. do you think people are clever enough to... My worry is that they spell out the word one, and then that rival in for a penny pod one. Pod is there another one? No. No, I didn't think so. But they might just spell it wrong and they'll never find us. That's all we've got time for on this episode. Please remember that anything discussed in this programme should not be viewed as financial advice. But if you do need support, please visit the Orchard Practice website at topfs.co.uk. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at InfraPennyPod1. Oh, I see you. I like what you do. And find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify at InfraPennyPodcast. Do feel free to leave any feedback and post any financial issues you'd like to cover. For now, thanks for listening and thank you for being in for a penny.